The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints from the marrow, and is a critic of all thoughts and intents of the heart. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Once again, open the word of truth to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, where we are uh, plowing through the last several qualifications for pastor-teacher, and qualifications that all of us as maturing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are to live towards. So we wrapped up in our previous service, not violent, but gentle. Uh, We are not to be marked by extreme rage or anger or violent aggression of a physical nature, but rather we are to be marked by the fruit of the Spirit, by gentleness. And crucially, one I think the most important aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. If you are self-controlled, if you can control yourself, you can uh, produce responses to stimuli, responses to circumstances that is that are, that are gentle, that are uh, kind, that are patient, that are peaceful, that are joyful. But it comes from the ability to control yourself and control your response to uh, circumstances rather than reacting against them. So we wrapped that up, uh, and now we're getting into not quarrelsome, which in the original language is, I put this up in the last service, but amakos, A-M-A-C-H-O-S, meaning peaceable or not being a brawler. And I stated the, the overriding point here is that the maturing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is not given to trivial quarrels. Remember, this is a broader section around godliness. What is the list of attributes that describe a godly believer? And I gave you the question at the end of the last service, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? Hopefully, on that list somewhere that you're constructing in your imagination or, you know, putting down on paper, you would say, I want to be remembered as a godly man or a godly woman. And what is godliness? Well, it's adherence to the qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's adherence to the standards for godliness that Paul lays out here, including amakos. So the, the, the first, how far, A, being the, the negative, uh, and then not, right, quarrelsome. Meaning that you are peaceful. So not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome but peaceful. One who understands the doctrine of peace. And by the way, we studied the doctrine of peace in chapter 1 of, of 1 Timothy. When, when Paul, this is the only, uh, or one of the only two uh, epistles in which Paul uh, greets in his greeting. He has a very standard sort of form letter, you know, template for his letters. And it starts with him saying, Paul, and then he describes himself, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to the audience, you know, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Rome, to the church at Thessalonica, or in this case, to Timothy, uh, my true son in the faith. Usually he would say, grace to you or grace and mercy to you. This is one of only two examples where he says, grace, mercy, and peace. So we studied the doctrine of peace, and if you're going to be a peaceful person, a peaceable person, 
you uh, are going to understand what peace is from a biblical perspective and how to live your life as a life of peace, responding to the peace that Christ offers you. So under not being quarrelsome, under not being given to trivial quarrels in this standard for godliness, point one, the pastor teacher or maturing believer does not waste time with trivial disputes. The pastor, teacher, or maturing believer does not waste time with trivial disputes. Secondly, he is not contentious, constantly arguing or complaining. Again, how do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as a quarrelsome person? Do you want to be remembered as someone who's very contentious? Do you want to be remembered? Here's one that might jump off the page. Do you want to be remembered as someone who always has to be right? He is not contentious, constantly arguing or complaining. And when I use, you know, he pronouns, I'm referring predominantly to the pastor teacher, but, you know, if you're a a lady here, write down she. Uh, if if you're not able to utilize the the old usage of of, of pronouns. This isn't just applicable to men. Just want to state that uh, for the record. Point three. Rather, he efforts to live at peace with all in his periphery. He efforts to live at peace with all in his periphery. Is he at peace with everyone? Is he at peace with an unbelieving, sinful, evil world, and the value system of an unbelieving, evil, and sinful world, Satan's fallen world which we live in? No, the world does not react peacefully to the the godly Christian way of life. But we respond to that sin and evil uh, with peace in our hearts. With another spiritual resource, Impersonal love. Impersonal love. I've broken this down many times in the past. I'll do it briefly here uh, for the sake of argument. There's two types of love in this world. Personal love and impersonal love. Personal love is love that is based on uh, the character of the object or person to whom you love. Personal love, therefore, is only correctly directed towards God himself. We love God based on who God is, because God will never let us down in all of his perfections. In his character, he is exactly who he says he is. He does exactly as he says he will do, and he is totally and completely consistent. So he, in his person, uh, you know, his, his metaphorical, his spiritual personhood, so to speak, uh, can take on our love based on who he is. Impersonal love, it it sounds wrong, it sounds like a bad approach to love, but essentially all it means is you love people in your life, you love other people, impersonal love towards all mankind, You, you dedicate love and respond in love to all people not based on who they are or what they do. 
Because if you try and dedicate personal love to, for example, your spouse, you say, I love who my spouse is as a person. What happens when your spouse lets you down? Or behaves in a manner that is sinful? All of a sudden, that house of cards starts tumbling down. So this isn't an excuse to behave wrongly towards your spouse. It's not an invitation to do that. But it is to say that you are to love your spouse when they do good things and when they do bad things. Because you love them not based on who they are and what they do, but based on who God is and God's plan for your life. Impersonal love. So that is the love that is extended to your spouse and just as well to uh, just the, the same exact form of love directed towards an unbelieving world. Directed towards, uh, you know, your neighbor, your friend, your co-worker. Believers and unbelievers alike, you extend them love. Rather than quarrelsome and contention and I always have to be right and uh, issues of that kind. So point four, and point three once again, rather he efforts to live at peace with all in his periphery, meaning all within his sphere of influence, he efforts to live at peace. Point four, he saves his quarreling for disputes that truly matter to the faith. He saves his quarreling for disputes that truly matter to the faith. Meaning he, you know, or she... You are to have a backbone, a theological backbone. You are to uh, have standards that you hold yourself to. But you are to save those issues. Uh, you are to save those that, that quarreling for issues that truly matter. Right? So going back to our study of, of drunkenness, of our, the, the relationship between Christ, the, the Christian and alcohol, uh, the quarrelsome believer is the believer who picks that as the hill upon which they die. Right? Uh, you know, I'm a teetotaler, and uh, everyone else needs to be a teetotaler, and I'm totally right on this issue, and let me convince you, and here's why. That's a waste of time. That's a distraction. That's a quarrelsome believer. But a, a believer, that the same believer who dies on the correct hill to die on, which is the gospel, uh, you know, not denying Christ, not denying the truth of the gospel, not denying the truth of the Bible, but holding that flag and that standard up, that is a legitimate good quarrel. But when you look at that believer who dies on the correct hill while avoiding the trivial disputes marked by someone who could be described as quarrelsome, that believer cannot be described as quarrelsome because it's not in his character to constantly quarrel. He's not constantly filled with um, these, these types of trivial disputes, these quarrels that don't actually matter based on life and doctrine. He, he saves that, uh, that issue. He saves that environment for the right circumstance, for the right issue. And I've said this many times, but the, the most basic form that that quarrel can take, and it doesn't always have to be a quarrel, but it comes in the form of a question. What do you believe about X? You know, what do you believe about Jesus? If someone asks you that. Or what do you believe? Do you believe that all people go to heaven? Or only good people go to heaven? Like, what do you be, how do you get to heaven? 
it's not quarrelsome to respond with a very offensive uh, invitation toward the gospel. I did that at the end of uh, the first service. I do that at the end of every first service on Sunday mornings, is give an invitation to the gospel. And one of the reasons I do that is to give you a slightly different avenue to get to the gospel so that when you uh, go and are asked that question, how do you get into heaven, you can respond correctly. It doesn't come through, salvation doesn't come through church tradition. Salvation doesn't come through the sacraments. Salvation doesn't come through being a good person. Uh, Salvation doesn't come through giving your money to the church or donating your time to charity. Salvation comes through a simple act of faith alone in Christ alone. That's it. Salvation doesn't even come from feeling sorry for your sins. You don't have to shed many tears over how uh, bad your life has been and how sinful you are in order to be saved. You are saved based on a simple act of faith alone in Christ alone. So that's a, that's a quarrel that is legitimate. That's a quarrel that you know, stands up to uh, the, 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 the test of time. And if you quarrel on only issues that do matter, you will not be marked as a quarrelsome person, a quarrelsome believer. But you'll be marked as, you know, he takes he or she takes every effort to live at peace with those in his periphery, but he also stands on the correct principles. Going back to the overriding question of godliness, of how do you want to be remembered? You know, he wasn't quarrelsome. Uh, he wasn't quarrelsome, but he had standards. He had values, and he lived in accordance with those values. So point five, he understands that to, quote, redeem the time, he cannot indulge every impulse to argue. Right? You cannot redeem the time if you're constantly arguing with He understands that to redeem the time, he cannot indulge every impulse to argue. Point six. His focus is on his priorities, which are derived from the word of God. His focus is on his priorities, which are derived from the word of God. And point seven, he does not argue just to argue. You no doubt have met a person like that who will, you know, loves to pick any side of an issue and show you how smart or, you know, with it he or she is uh, because he can argue till the cows come home on any particular issue just to show how smart and how capable and how 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 with it uh, that person is you know someone who argues just to argue and point eight likewise his focus is not on being right he isn't obsessed with being the smartest person in the room the person who's the most right on the most issues So this isn't a prohibition against discussion. 
And, uh, you know, I, as someone who speaks for a living uh, uh, on a consistent basis every Sunday morning, uh, I am perhaps known for, uh, you know, engaging in some kind of uh, not debate or, you know, I was on the speech team in high school and I had to make arguments and, and, and debate from the, the correct uh, viewpoint or at least my assigned viewpoint in any, in any particular discussion. Uh, this is not to say that you can't have discussions on current events or politics or especially on faith, but you save the true quarrels where, you know, you are tempted towards the not violent but uh, gentle, that qualification where you're tempted to, to get into, you know, violent mental attitude mode or you're almost coming to blows based on the quarrel. You save that for issues that really matter. Uh, someone who claims that evil things are good and moral and right. Someone who claims that there's no standards, there's no objective standards in this world. There's no such thing as objective good or objective evil. Those are issues with which you should engage, uh, but engage uh, in a manner that is loving, that is kind. So you are not to be a quarrelsome person, but you are to be a peaceable person. And there's a great application here for all of us, and, and it, I'm predominantly making it uh, in regards to marriage, which is the, the closest relationship between two human beings on this earth, but it's likewise the same uh, concept for those of you who are not married. Uh, your friends, your co-workers, your family members, whoever you enjoy a close personal relationship or friendship with, uh, this principle is the same. And the reason I'm making it in regards to marriage is because it comes from the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is a book of the Bible, which is essentially a very long love song. It was a song. It's a, it's a very long song that, was, you know, that Solomon wrote uh, thousands of years ago. And it deals in very lovely metaphorical imagery around love marital love. Uh, it's applicable to marital sexual relations. Uh, and one of the uh, sort of issues in passing that Song of Solomon encounters is this little comment uh, that the narrator makes, which in essence says, catch the little foxes. It, it's a garden imagery. Catch the little foxes, those little foxes which ruin the garden of love. And the application here, especially towards marriage, but towards all relationships alike, is catching the little foxes, catching the little issues before they start to grow and fester into big issues. You know, we've all had, those of us who are both married and honest, have issues that start out very small and grow and grow and grow, and all of a sudden it's a DEFCON level 5 argument, and you're getting back into, you know, not violent but gentle. You're getting back into uh, violent mental attitude mode. So catch the little foxes. Yeah, don't inject emotion into uh, these discussions. Don't quarrel for the sake of quarreling. But in a moment, and this is crucial, in a moment of privacy... Have, a, have an emotion-free discussion. You know, when you said this, uh, it made me feel this way, or, or, or whatever the, the situation is. 
deal with the little problems before they grow and fester. I had, several years ago, I had people sort of model this out, in my opinion, the wrong way, uh, directly in front of me, which is that some people claim that you should deal with these issues immediately. So, like, if you're at a dinner party and, uh, you know, the husband interrupts the wife, I've seen this happen, it's very uncomfortable for everyone else that's watching, but it's like, excuse me, you just interrupted me. Oh, I apologize. And they go through this whole, like, marital discussion right there, and it's like, it seems like you should kind of go off and, like, close the door and handle that, and then come back out here. Uh, but I've seen it happen, and it's very, it's very uncomfortable. So save it for an option, an opportunity where there's privacy, where you can have an open exchange, uh, where you can be honest, uh, in an in a avenue that's appropriate, but catch the little foxes before they ruin the garden of love. Because if you let things fester and grow in your relationships, you're going to be quarreling a lot. You're going to be contentious. You're going to be at odds with each other. Uh, and the bulk of Song of Songs is especially relating to those of you who are married. Marriage is supposed to be about impersonal love and God's design for marriage in going all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 is that the man and his wife are to be naked and without shame in in marital harmony in love in intimacy and that's not just sexual intimacy that's true relational well-rounded intimacy and that's intimacy that if you're not married you can experience a glimpse of in your you know closest relationship your best friend or friends the close relationship you have with your uh, mother or your father or your uh, your your family members that is uh, true intimacy so you are to be not quarrelsome for the sake of quarrels. You are not to let these issues fester uh, and grow, but rather respond correctly and deal with the little issues as you need to so that you can maintain impersonal love towards each other as husband and wife. So as we return uh, next week, we will wrap up our study of not being quarrelsome In fact, we've already uh, mostly wrapped that study up and transition into the last four uh, qualifications, starting with not a lover of money. And one of the things that's important to remember here is that that is just one option. Not Not being a lover of money is just one avenue where Paul deals with this issue of idolatry, of worship of something apart from God. You're not to uh, worship uh, any kind of sexual immorality, but instead, in verse 2, you're to be faithful to his wife. You're not to be uh, in, have an idol of drunkenness. You are you know, not uh, filled with much wine. You are not to have an idol of a, an, an idolatrous mental attitude of of violence and rage. You're not to be violent, but gentle. So materialism, the love of money, in other words, uh, is is really about the worship of money and how we are to not have idols, but instead direct all of our uh, affections from from a spiritual perspective to God himself. 
So I will leave you with that cliffhanger, and we will resume not a lover of money and you know, continue marching towards the end of the qualifications for pastor-teacher in due course. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth. We thank you that you give us resources that we might live lives not of fear, and that you have given us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of peace and patience and self-control. Because we are recipients of the peace of God, your peace, which you give us, that surpasses all understanding. Meaning as, as life uh, goes on around us, as the problems of this world make themselves apparent to us, we have options and we can respond correctly to those problems and challenges of life. And you give us the ability to do that on a consistent basis. And we thank you for all of your grace provisions for each one of us. And we thank you for all the practical instruction in this area of godliness. Please help us not just take this in as head knowledge, but assimilate it into our broader stream of consciousness from a spiritual perspective, making it higher spiritual knowledge And we ask this, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. And now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand faultless in his presence, blameless with great joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power before all time and forever. Amen.